What's up? What's up? Good morning. How are you guys feeling today? Can we celebrate our worship team? Man, they just did an awesome job leading us before the, the, the feet of God this morning. Man, if you're a guest with us, I want to welcome you to Aspen Grove Christian Church. We are so excited about what God is doing in, uh, in this small church, in our community in Franklin. Uh, if you were here last week, you got to see a, a, a little piece of the heart of Aspen Grove. We did a backpack blessing, and uh, if you missed it, we've got pictures and some video coming for you, to, for you to see. But we had 45 kids on stage that we prayed for and blessed going into the school year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this morning, I'm excited to, uh, uh, we are going to have a little bit of a teaching time out of our Roman series, but uh, first, I want to introduce uh, our special guests this morning, Justin and John Rieger. So if you guys want to go ahead and come on up here. Justin and John, I said earlier, are from the Deep South. <clears throat> They're from Ecuador and a ministry called the Hacienda of Hope that uh, we worked for, uh, uh, we sent a team this past summer and uh, worked alongside them in their ministry. And so uh, since they happened to be in the States, I begged and pleaded. I said, please come to Aspen Grove, spend a Sunday with us. So uh, let's welcome them and they're gonna share a little bit about their ministry. Let me get you guys a microphone. Here you go, y'all got, y'all can share that. We'll go ahead and uh, they're waving me at the back. Hey, dismiss kids. So kids, get out of here, roll out of here. Yeah. <clears throat> Behave, make us proud. Awesome. So yeah, Justin and Jonna, thank you guys so much for being here. I know y'all have been in the States a little bit. Um, we just wanted to, to hear a little bit about your ministry. Tell us a little bit about the Hossie and the Hope and uh, what y'all do there. Uh, John has already been crying, so. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is an honor for us to be here. Thank you so much, uh, Adam and Amy and the rest of uh, Aspen Grove uh, and those, especially those that have come down this year. Um, really briefly, what Hossie and the Hope is about is about restoring families. Uh, we were able to do that by providing services uh, like a children's home for 40 kids on our campus and also family services that allow them to go back home at some point. And for us, that's important. Absolutely. Tell us about the, um, the vision for the Hacienda of Hope. This morning, if you were able to come to our brunch a little bit, they talked about some, some big plans, some big dreams. So right now you have, you're basically... Uh, providing childcare and or not childcare families homes for 40 children that come from all kinds of like just uh, basically the worst situations imaginable. Um, That's exactly it. So we are able to work with those uh, children and their parents and make their home a safe place again. Uh, the kids that we get are come in all from the state. Uh, the state actually uh, recommends. Uh, that the children be removed from their home and needs a place to, for them to stay. And um, so they come in because of abuse, because of neglect, uh, even abandonment at times. And so that's, that's uh, where, we get our, where we get our kids. Uh, but for, for us, as far as where we want to be, uh, one of the things that we really try and get to is, is a relationship. Uh, and a relationship with the families and a relationship with the kids. Um, and, and to be able to brag on Aspen Grove a little, uh, a little bit, we, we had that experience this summer. 
And uh, Jonna wanted to share a little something that she overheard just a second ago. Okay, so <laughs> you were talking about Speedy, one of our little boys, Luis. He's ADHD. <laughs> 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 kind of ADHD. <laughs> and I love hearing you guys talk about him like he was your own. And that was, it was just, it meant a lot to me that um, he's not just a kid down in Ecuador, a little orphan. He's part of you guys now. And I know that each of you would have, I would, I would have loved to have heard y'all's stories coming back from the mission, but that's who they are to us. So I don't have to even express that these kids are our hearts. And um, I love that they're your hearts now. Um, and then a lot to me, so thank you so much. <laughs> I think one of my favorite um parts of the experience in Ecuador of taking teams and uh, taking groups down there, which thank you guys for, for letting us come and continue to come. This is actually my ninth trip, I think. So um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a little bit proud of that. But uh, <laughs> And they still want us to come too, which is, uh, I guess that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially, yeah, for sure. We know what this is all about. Uh, but one of my favorite things is, I, I mean, uh, I like the work and, and the work that we do there. And sometimes we do different projects around the property. And this year we kind of helped with an obstacle course, which is, uh, which is, is more than an obstacle course. But it's really a, 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 a course for kids with different kinds of developmental delays, vestibular delays, to, to really exercise and learn balance and use muscles that, that haven't been developed. And so there's a part of that, uh, of the work that I love. But then in the afternoons, we got to spend the time with the kids and they, they had kind of said, well, when you come, we want you to prepare something for the kids. And I'm thinking, all right, well, they got 15 or 16 kids. Last time I went down there and we'll have an activity for like 20 or 30 minutes. And the, no, they have 40 kids and a, like a three hour block. And they're like, go have fun. But that was, that was our most meaningful time just to, to connect with the kids. And, and my absolute favorite piece is the Hacienda of Hope is kind of divided up into, uh, I think, four houses, four haciendas, about 10 kids per house. And uh, each house has its own set of house parents that, that um, uh, what, I, what I, I think one of the things I love most about this model is like, it really is a family. Like these kids are a part of a family. This is their house. They have their room and their stuff. And uh, but we got to, each night, we got to have dinner in one of the houses with the family. And so we sat, you know, they, they got 10 kids in each house. They got big tables. And so we gathered around the table and got to got to be part of the family. I, and I think that just illustrates your, your relationship point of like, hey, this is so, so important because there's magic that that happens around that table. Uh, well, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more. How did you guys get plugged into this ministry? How did y'all end up in Ecuador? Oh, me? How did you get involved in Ecuador? <laughs> well, I grew up there. My family moved down there when I was eight years old, and so I grew up in the capital city, Quito, which is, I guess, 45 minutes south of where we're at now. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of fell in love with the people in the country and, and all of that business. So that's how we ended up there, um, through the connections that we had in Ecuador. Our goal was not to go back to Ecuador. It was to stay in the United States of America. And God had other plans. So just FYI for you young people, don't make plans for your lives. God kind of <laughs> disregards that completely. <laughs> that's, yeah. and, and so uh, I found this lovely lady in Lubbock, Texas. 
And uh, we got married, and then she passed on her passion for Ecuador, uh, and we both continued to grow in our passion for uh, loving on children, hmm. uh, sharing Christ, and, and actually embracing families and communities. So that's... Uh, yeah, which was perfect for you kind of your degree track was kind of developmental stuff, working right. with kids out of tough stuff, working with families especially. That is exactly it. Um, but tell us how, you know, so you talked a little bit about, or say, okay, we had these plans, and then God did this thing. Tell us how some of the, you've seen some of that happen in this last year. So especially, I know you talked earlier about, well, we were going to work with kids, we, but we in were. Ecuador, it's... Yeah. Yes, uh, we, we were fully prepared to work with uh, kids and provide kids services. We knew that kids needed protection. They needed a home to be in. They needed uh, to deal with their trauma, and so we were set up to work with their psychological side, their emotional regulation, uh, even their sensory uh, pieces that they needed to grow in, their academics. Um, and so we had all that set up, and we knew what we were doing on there. And we had actually discussed and envisioned down the road that we would love to do some additional pieces with family. Uh, but when we took over, uh, it turns out that we were actually um, – expected to be working with the families. And so we got to move into that really quickly. Uh, so we did get to reach our vision and dream of working with families much more quickly than we anticipated. Uh, we began immediately working with the families in our care and uh, now provide therapy uh, for those families in order to get the get their homes back and to be a safe home and, and a loving home and, and a spiritual one at that. We've, we've had additional pieces even this last year of things that have moved in, um, and, and we've been able to recognize needs there and know God is moving in that. Uh, one of our big deals this year is we were able to take on uh, two girls uh, that were living in extremely abusive homes, and the interesting part about their move was that they weren't alone. Uh, they actually had young babies uh, 14 and 15 year old girls that had young babies and were living out a daily abuse. And for us, uh, that was something that we hadn't expected in Ecuador. That was something we hadn't been privy to before. And so, um, we are moving in a direction right now that actually allows us to provide not just the basic services that these girls need, but also a home to be able to do that in where they can learn to be a mom, where they can learn to be a teen at times and, we can help get them set up for uh, living independently and living in community um, yeah. in the future. I think it's it's so cool to hear you guys about offering this quality of care in Ecuador. I know there's probably a handful of children's homes in Ecuador, and the, the care they offer is maybe all over the place, but to be able to do some really specific and centralized stuff and uh, I would tell you, in all the years I've been going to Ecuador, this is the best version I've ever seen of, of the Hacienda of Hope. Um, there, is, there is more happening in and through the Hacienda of Hope than I've ever seen happen. And it's affecting uh, not just small populations or a few families, but it's, it's affecting a whole huge community of people where now even the basically the state CPS, Child Protective Services, is calling you guys and saying, mm -hmm. Hey, we've got more. Why don't you take this? And hey, why don't you take these? Even though it's kind of outside of, hey, here's our box and here are our parameters that we're going to work in. But you constantly are now getting requests for older kids or, you know, teenage moms or these kind of things. And I think it's awesome to, to see your work, see your ministry. Tell us about the, you, you want to build a, so you're expanding the Hacienda of Hope and you want to build a new 
Casa Esther, is that That's right? Correct. So so tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so this is kind of my passion. Um, so growing up in Ecuador, I've, I've, uh, we're surrounded by teen girls that um, obviously live in abusive situations. And um, once they have had a child at 14 or 15 years of age, um, their lives are pretty much put on hold and, and I mean, done in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so we want to put a stop to that. We want to provide a home that will receive these girls that have that have been abused, um, give them a safe place to learn who they are, grow in who they are, uh, learn how to be good mamas, and uh, receive the education that they need to get their feet back on the ground. Um, we'd like them to finish high school with us and uh, start a new life um, and not continue with that cycle. So that's kind of... Our baby right now is is making that happen, and we're watching God make that happen. Um, so it'll be exciting. We're pretty excited so about it. Um, we right now, after talking to several that you know know this area better than we do because we haven't done it yet, um, they're they're saying that we can have up to six girls with six babies in a, in a casa. Mm. So that would really be twelve kids per casa, and that's enough t- for them to still have that home environment, give them the special attention that they need. Um, and and be there, be there. I guess mentors on how to become the mamas that they need to be. Talk about the. I know earlier you were talking about this is kind of the a lot of the abuse and even even some of the teenage pregnancy is just it's been a part of their life cycle, a part yeah. of the family life cycle. It's very accepted um, in Ecuador for right now. It's accepted for. Uh, this kind of abuse to, to take place in family environments. Um, the men are not looked down on. Um, it's kind of, it's a hush-hush, but it's, it's very common. Um, and so our goal is to stop that cycle, to give girls a place where they can know that they're going to be supported and um, have a back on that this is not okay and you can become better. Um, so not just for the girls, we want it to become not just for the girls that are living with us. We want to be a, a place in the community where girls can come and know that they have a safe haven and can stand up for for themselves and 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 also for the men to understand we're not going to put up with it and and we're going to stop the cycle. Uh, it's going to be a long road. I hope in like five or ten years we can sit up here and be like, hey, this is what's happened. But right now it's it's a it's a huge mountain. And so um, many of you came up afterwards and said, man, we hope to be able to give financially. And then you know that's awesome. And again. I am at peace in knowing that God is going to provide this because he's done everything else. I mean, yeah. well, what you said, our dreams were not what what is becoming. And so I, I know he's going to provide that. Um, but really, your prayers, it's a daily. We're living in a, on a battlefield, literally. Um, it, 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 we have some really rough days. Um, and so your prayers for these girls, for Speedy, <laughs> um, are huge. And we, would, we really um, are blessed and knowing that we have people fighting for us in that way here in the States. Yeah. Absolutely. So what is the, uh, what's the dream? So occasionally we have people come in who are um, in the mission field or at least advancing the kingdom of God in different places around the world. And, you know, sometimes there's like, well, can we ask? Can we ask? Can we ask? And, and my, I, I would tell you guys, what's your big ask? What, how can we help? What are, what are the things that you need? What are the resources you need? Because if we don't know, then we can't organize. And maybe we won't be the one, but maybe we know someone who's right. the one. And yeah. so, uh, 
Yeah, share some. Right now, we are looking to uh, start up Casa Esther, which is our uh, our home for teenage mothers, and it does have some cost. Uh, one of those. Uh, we're looking at just the construction alone will run us $300,000. So we were looking for people uh, who are excited about this kind of work, um, who can pray about that number and uh, and and help us get there. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we will need some operational funding to continue to meet the needs of these young girls every day. Uh, and that looks like $6,000 a month uh, to provide the entire operations for the entire 12 uh, children that are going to be there uh, for each of the six mothers and their six babies. And so uh, we're needing a thousand dollars a month for each, for each uh, yeah. child and their mother, for each, uh, for each one uh, to be able to live there. Uh, but we want you guys to know that uh, no matter what your gift, uh, whether it is to uh, fully support a, a, a child and, uh, and her mother, or if it is to to uh, assist in the support, um, that uh, we are available for that. But that, that is where we're sitting, and that's where we would like to be this next year. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes, and I don't know if you guys are aware of this, I, t I talked to you a little bit about this when we were in Ecuador. So sometimes in the States, short-term missions get a bad rap. So there's even, there's even some bad press out there about, oh, you shouldn't go on a short-term mission. It doesn't really help. It doesn't really change anything. So... Um, <clears throat> I have my own ideas about this, but uh, Justin, why don't you why don't you elaborate or should I let John? Are you oh, more uh, angry well, about it? <laughs> I, I, I do like to talk about short term missions, um, but I, I want you guys to. We had an experience uh, this summer uh, with our children receiving their short term mission from from y'all here in the states uh, by by just U.S. Americans, and uh, our boy actually came down uh, with one of the pieces that you really understand. And it is the relationship pieces of short-term missions that they have on each other. Um, our boy actually came down uh, from being at summer camp uh, for, for a week uh, here in the States, and uh, he taught us some new things. Uh, one of those was uh, that, yes, you can't have a girlfriend at your Christian summer camp. And uh, that they're... He's nine. He's nine. Uh, he does not need a girlfriend at summer camp, but evidently that is, that is a requirement now okay. that you do have one. And uh, so they had this moonlight walk on the last night, and uh, they, they prepared the children that there are certain things you can and cannot do on this hike. And uh, one of the things that is restricted is waffling. Hey, I have to tell this because it's terrible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting in the front seat with my, and he's in the back, and I'm like, well, how was camp? You know, I'm thinking, oh, we memorized memory verses, and we did this, Mom, and, you know, this was the main part of whatever we learned at church camp from the Bible. And he's like, Mom, we're not allowed to waffle. I'm sorry, what's, what, what's waffling? Can you show them waffling? So, so this is waffling. So he gets his hands up and he <laughs> says, Mom, this is waffling. And I said, oh, okay, well, what can you do? And he said, we can pancake. And we can, <laughs> we can biscuit. And we can biscuit and gravy, but no waffling. <laughs> and I said, well, who would you waffle with? And he goes, Amaya. Okay, so did you pancake with Amaya? He goes, yeah, I had my hands in my pocket, and I said, I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to do it. He said, one, two, three, and then I got my hands out, and I, I pancaked with Amaya. <laughs> I love Christian camp in the United States of America. <laughs> I learned so much. So going back to the group thing, this is my soapbox. You guys 
should be standing up here and you get on your soapbox as far as why short-term missions is awesome. And it's because it changes you completely. Um, it changes your outlook on life. It changes your outlook on your everyday, what, 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 why am I here and what is my, my vision? And it shows, especially young kids and maybe even the adults that, hey, I have so much more inside of here that God has brought out and shown me in this last week that I didn't even know was there. And um, he shows you how you can use that. And so short-term missions, yes, it blesses the kids. Speedy is completely blessed. He has pictures beside his bed of you guys. So our kids are blessed. We are blessed knowing you're behind us. Um, but it also just, it changes how you see God and how God is actually working in you personally when you come down. Sure. And so bring me on a debate on with anybody okay. that says it's not good, and I will go, and I don't even like to debate, but I would debate that. <laughs> So I was doing the math in my head, and so I have, uh, on trips that I have led, I've taken over 100 people wow. to the Hacienda of Hope in Ecuador. Awesome. And out of those people, yeah, I mean, um, and what has happened is, I, I can name a dozen of those people that are now missionaries all around the world. Wow. All of them are incredibly huge supporters and advocates, they're taking the message of the Hacienda of Hope and the mission wherever they go and sharing it with people that they meet. And so it is really advancing the cause. But what you said about how it changes you is is 100% true. And it's what I told this team of, if I can take a child from a developing world and put them in your arms, change your life forever. Mm -hmm. Change your life forever. And they won't become just pictures you see on a screen or, or names. So some of you hear the name Speedy or you hear the name Gladys, and it means nothing. But to the 12 of us that were there this summer, these names have, have much deeper roots. They, they're family. They're part of God's family. They're part of our family. And uh, so it, it, carries, it carries a lot. Well, can we thank uh, Justin and John one more time for joining us? Thank you. And then uh, before you guys leave, I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over your ministry. And I invite you guys to maybe just hold your hands up, hold your hands in this direction, and let's bless this, uh, let's bless this couple. Father God, I thank you so much for, for Justin and Jonna. It's been uh, my privilege to work alongside them and, and see how, how you are using them. And so, Father God, I pray for that, uh, that continued openness in their hearts to, to allow themselves to be molded and used by you to impact the culture, impact the country of, of Ecuador for you, in your name, for your glory. And so, Father God, sometimes that's, that's tough and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but uh, remind them constantly of your presence. And so, Father God, for, for the young girls that will be impacted by this ministry who we don't even know yet, who we don't have a room for them yet, Father God, we pray for them and we pray for your provision and help us to trust your provision and help us, Father God, as, as men and women, Christians, brothers and sisters who live in the States to lean into what you're doing, sure, here in our neighborhood and around the corner, but, but around the world, Father God, help us to know that your attention is, is a whole world attention, is for every tribe and tongue and nation and people, and we get to be a part of that. So, Father God, we thank you this morning. We, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate you and praise you with our brothers and sisters in the Tapacundo Church this morning. We love you. Bless Justin and Jonna and their ministry. Bless the Hacienda of Hope. And in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat>
So Justin and John were able to share their big ask with you, and man, I, I invite you, uh, if there's ways that, that you can serve them or lean into what they're doing, maybe God is, um, I will tell you, part of the reason uh, we took a team this past year was one of our teenagers came, came to me and said, hey, I feel like God's calling me to go on a mission trip. And that was, that was enough of a spark for us to put plans in motion and fundraisers and uh, before we knew it, we were buying plane tickets. And everyone that went on that trip, um, and, and in fact, Johnny, you said, uh, I wish I could hear their stories. They're actually online. So we, we videoed that whole thing. So uh, if, you, if you search us on YouTube, you can find it and hear those stories. Invite you to do that. Because every single one of them came kind of a, it's, it's a phrase my wife and I use all the time, faithfully terrified. Uh, we believe God was in control, but we were all scared. And, and that's usually the place that people come to. So I don't know what our future holds uh, for, uh, for Ecuador or for our involvement. I'm pretty sure they'll see me down there at some point again, uh, whether they like it or not. But uh, it's exciting to be a part of God's kingdom, isn't it? Amen. So I want to share with you just briefly, uh, we've been in a Romans teaching series uh, walking through Paul's letter to Rome, a, a letter that is all about good news, filled with good news. And, and so I want to share with you out of Romans chapter 12. Last week at our Backpack Blessing, uh, we sent the kids home with a, with a name tag and a, and a verse out of Romans 12 about loving and rejoicing and delighting and being patient, and about keeping on uh, praying. And if you haven't spent any time in Romans 12 recently, I invite you to do so because it is a, it's a sonnet. It's the most you know, beautiful song that's ever written. And I don't have time to elaborate on the whole thing, to sing you the whole song. So today I just want to focus on one note. If, uh, if Romans chapter 12 had, had one note for us to focus on, I, I, I would want it to be verse 2. In it, it says, Paul says to the Romans, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, what's that word? Transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Maybe you've heard it as do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Conformed has this kind of, the word conform has this kind of outward uh, shape to it. It's about the outward appearance or pattern, but transform, that word transformed uh, speaks to something different. Literally that word transform, it's translated transform in the Greek as the word metamorpho. Does that sound familiar? Metamorphosis is where we get the word metamorpho. And it's, Paul says, but let God metamorpho you. And that word is, it, it means to be, be change after being with, but it also speaks to an internal change, a change from within. So this verse made me think of my friend Tammy. Uh, my friend Tammy lives in Pensacola, Florida. She works at an elementary school. And uh, one day while they were at the elementary school, she saw that the kids were raising butterflies. You can go ahead and show that next slide. My friend Tammy saw these elementary uh, students uh, raising butterflies. And she said, you know, I, I think I want to do that. 
So she went to the garden center and she got a butterfly box and she read up online of, of how do I raise butterflies. And the process is pretty simple, at least in Florida where she lives, is you plant uh, these special plants. There are nectar plants, but, but specifically for monarch butterflies, the kind of butterflies she raises, uh, you plant milkweed. You guys know this plant? You plant these plants and then you wait. And every day you check the plants to see if there are new holes in your plants. And when you see new holes, then the search really begins. Because when you see holes in milkweed, then you begin to search for tiny caterpillars. And when you find them, you pluck the caterpillars from the milkweed and you put them in, uh, it's, it's called a butterfly box. There's a little bit more milkweed food in there, but before long, the caterpillars will begin to climb the sides of the box and attach themselves to the top. And what happens next is what you see on the screen. They latch on to the top of the box and they move from chrysalis phase and then eventually they metamorpho into a butterfly. So I have questions. Um, do you think a caterpillar knows it's a butterfly? Do, uh, do caterpillars crawling around on milkweed see butterflies flying around and think, one day that's going to be me? Like, like when does a caterpillar begin to know that it's really a butterfly? When Paul says, be transformed or let God transform you, there's, there's an important implication he is making for us. And, and I want you to hear this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to move quickly through some of these. But when Paul says, be transformed, what he is saying is, in you is the potential for a better you. In you is the potential for a better you. There, there may be a better version of you than the you you are today. Do you believe that? In you, there is some incredible potential, and God wants to unlock it, unleash it. But how, does the, how do we metamorpho? How does this transformation take place? How do we become the better version of ourselves how does a caterpillar become a butterfly? It starts in the mind. When I was talking to my friend Tammy about, uh, I said, okay, tell me about metamorphosis. Tell me about butterflies. The first thing she said was, this is a really violent process. That little green chrysalis phase, here's how she described it. She said, when they latch onto the top, they can't let go and they begin to shake, the caterpillars begin to shake violently, attached to the top of the cage until their backs literally split open. And she says this green liquid comes out and forms around it, and then the head falls off. <laughs> Transformation is a violent process. To achieve our potential, to be, achieve the better version of ourselves, it requires that we, at least at some level, die to evolve to another level. And most of us 
our, our process of transformation, our process of growth, our process of metamorphosis is, is sabotaged by self-limiting beliefs. Remember when I asked you, like, when does a caterpillar begin to believe that it's a butterfly? Like, most of us have a hard time believing in a better version of ourself. Um, we're sabotaged by self-limiting beliefs. Uh, some of those beliefs come from our history. You heard Justin and Jonna talk about a cycle, a family cycle. It's kind of always been this way. This is who I am. Have you ever heard, felt yourself feeling some of these thoughts? We sabotage ourselves. We resist transformation through these, these self-limiting beliefs. Maybe, it, uh, maybe it's a belief about your body image. Well, I could never be. I'll never be. Maybe it's a, a, a sabotaging belief that you have because of something someone else did to you. Maybe just no one has spoken a bigger picture, a better version into your life. I see it all the time. Uh, I bump into people all the time and have conversations with them about, well, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Who are you? How are you going to? And they have such small dreams, such small expectations. What they say to me is, really, I'm just a worm with legs. And I'll never be anything more. And so, the transformation that needs to happen first for us is a transformation of thought. Before anyone uh, uh, ever made a change, there was a thought planted in their mind. Before anyone ever became this thing, this beautiful thing that they were created to be, someone spoke into their life a change. My favorite part of uh, talking to Tammy about these butterflies and breeding butterflies is um, she told me, she said, this year alone in 2017, she's released 120 butterflies. So think about the dedication it takes. So that's 120 little caterpillars gently plucked off, placed in a box, taken care of, and then she, she told me the exact number of butterflies that were released. You know what I think? I think we need more caterpillar cheerleaders. I see her right now standing outside the box, the beautiful butterfly box, each day going, I know you can do it. Come on, I know you can do it. It's what Justin and John do at the Hacienda of Hope, isn't it? With these kids that come from horrible situations, with these kids believing, hey, this is going to be my life forever, believing things are never going to change, believing things are never going to get better, and Justin and Jonna stand there and say, no, come on, I know you can do it. Justin and Jonna, you guys are caterpillar cheerleaders, Right? Maybe part of our job is to just stand with others and say you're more than just a worm with legs. Here's what I believe. 
What people see and hear consistently will enter their hearts. True or false? What people see and hear consistently will enter their hearts and their lives will be put on autopilot. So maybe a deep question for you today in considering all of these things is, who are you believing in and how are you communicating that belief? We already know there's potential in everyone. God has placed it there. He wants to unlock it. So who are you believing in? And, and how are you communicating that belief? Are you a champion for change, for growth, for metamorphosis, for transformation in others? I love this verse because it, it asks a deep question. And the question is, who are you becoming? You guys know that one of my pet peeves is sometimes people say, well, it's just the way I am. Um, in fact, the show Mythbusters actually proved that you can teach an old dog new tricks. I don't know if you, there's empirical evidence. You can go find it. I think you are built for change. I think you're built for transformation. I think inside of each and every one of you exists this potential to be a better version of yourself. And maybe as uh, people from Estados Unidos, from North Americans, the question is, who are you becoming? Maybe the question is, are you, are you really getting better or are you just getting busier? At Aspen Grove, our, our purpose, our mission, our vision, we, we say it every single week, is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to metamorpho followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. A disciple is a student, is someone bringing their life into alignment with Jesus' life. And to do that means to be transformed, to walk so closely in the steps of Jesus that you begin to think like he thinks. You begin to value like he values. You begin to live like he lives. It becomes a natural part of who we are for every thought to be like his. Here's what I think. You are your best you when you follow Jesus. If you want to metamorpho, if you want to transform, if you want to be changed into a better version of yourself, the best version of yourself that's possible, align your life with Jesus. I see it every year when I, uh, every time I take uh, groups to Ecuador. The teams, uh, frankly, the, the people I take on the teams aren't that good. But in a week, they become more of Jesus than they ever have been before. They lean on him and trust him and live out of his provision in deeper, more meaningful ways than they ever have. And uh, that's why they speak so fondly of times on mission sometimes because in those moments, they have become the best version 
of themselves. And that always comes from a result of being with Jesus. The best version of yourself is the version that is following Jesus. So just a couple of closing thoughts, just recap some of this. You were built for metamorpho. If you haven't metamorpho, um, maybe you need to ask some questions. It begins by changing the way you think. What are the limiting thoughts, uh, the sabotaging thoughts that you have that are keeping you from being the person that God has called you to be and wants to unleash, uh, that, that wants to unleash the potential in you? And then are you being a caterpillar cheerleader? I think each and every one of us have a responsibility to speak words of life and encouragement and belief into others. And finally, just to be the best version of you, it means to follow Jesus. Are you a disciple of Jesus today? Are you studying him each and every day? Are, are you looking to f- shape your life to be exactly like his life? If you are, then you are truly on the path of transformation. Let me say a prayer for us, and then I'll dismiss this to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for its power. I pray that uh, uh, it would dwell in us, dwell in us deeply. And so, Father God, I I see a a room full of caterpillars. I see a room full of potential. God, we see you calling Justin and Jonna out of, their, out of their shells to be this incredible ministry in Ecuador. And Father God, you're calling each and every one of this, us to that same place. And so God, I lift up the person this morning that has those, those self-limiting, sabotaging thoughts that live in that place of this is always the way it's gonna be. This is, the, this is just who I am. Father God, maybe they've, they have an addiction that's holding them back, that's keeping them from being transformed into the person, into the potential that you know exists inside of them. And so God, I ask that you would do a work of releasing us and freeing us. And I pray, Father God, that, that we would be men and women who speak words of life and change and hope into those around us. Father God, I know we've got teachers in this room and we've got parents in this room and we've got grandparents in this room. Father God, each and every one of us, we don't have an opportunity, Father God. We've got a responsibility to speak words of truth and life and change and growth into those around us. And Father God, help us to encourage those who who are in the midst of a transformation It's hard and difficult and means dying to some of these false ideas that we have. So God, give us strength to be transformed so that we might know your will for us, which is good, pleasing, perfect. So we might experience life and life to the full so we might be the men and women you created us to be. Father God, bless us. 
move through us as we enter into this time of communion with tables spread around the room. As we remember the death, the burial, and resurrection of your son, Father God, help us to put things in our life to death that need to die so that we can live again in you. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen.